You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. People will come in for a counseling appointment and they'll express their, their needs, their concerns, things that are going on, things that are causing them to be anxious, and, and I'll cross-reference addressing their uh, particular issues from, uh, from the Bible, uh, sharing with them certain verses of Scripture, and, and before they leave, I'll uh, say to them, and listen, brother, listen, sister, I'll be praying for you. And they look at me like I have two heads on my shoulders, like, You'll be, that's it? You're just going to be praying for me? Prayer is so powerful, yet for many of us, it's a last resort. You have the ear of God listening for the cries of your heart. And yet, how often do you try to solve the problem on your own? Do you not trust Him? Do you think your problem is too big or maybe too small? As Pastor Mike continues our study of the book of Ephesians in today's message, we'll be reminded that prayer is one of the main weapons we have at our disposal as we battle against an aggressive, cunning spiritual enemy. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of Ephesians chapter 1 as he begins his message, My Prayer for You. Let's go ahead and read that text of scripture, and this will also be our prayer. Therefore, I also, now this is Paul writing this letter, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Okay, so once again, so that's our prayer. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Okay, so once again, this message, the title is, my prayer for you. Okay, so let's back up a little bit now. We heard some of the things that we've already talked about uh, leading up to this text. Having outlined some of the spiritual blessings the Christians have because of the grace of God in Jesus Christ, Paul tells the Ephesian Christian believers of his pastoral praying for them. Now this is extremely revealing and instructive. And why is that? Well, obviously, Paul is aware of the dimness of the human heart 
which can actually hinder an appreciation of the blessings that come to the believer in Christ. And, uh, and in this chapter, Paul has been enumerating those blessings. Like, for example, uh, and we've addressed each one of these, these gifts, these blessings that God has made available to us through his son, Jesus Christ, how that we've been chosen by him, how that we've been adopted by him, how that we've been redeemed by him, we've been forgiven of our sins, and made an inheritance, and also given an inheritance. And so we need this, and Paul was aware of the fact, and so he prays to that end, he realized that these believers, as well as ourselves, need help to digest these things, to wrap our heads around these uh, subjects of the gifts that have been made available to us in Jesus Christ. And therefore, he sketches to his readers the requests he is bringing to God constantly on behalf of these believers whom he loves dearly. Okay, so with that uh, said, that sort of sets up the study, and it brings us right to our first point, and if you're taking notes, write this down, and that is, number one, anything more beneficial. Anything more beneficial. Let's go back to our text. Once again, let's read verse 16. Paul says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. So, Paul diligently, fervently, frequently was praying that these uh, believers, right, praying for these believers. And listen, you know what, I want you to think about this. No doubt that the success of the early church could be traced right back to the apostles keeping their priorities in order and straight. And basically, remember, when the, the uh, certain issue came up about the daily ministration to the widows, it's recorded first in the book of Acts, I think in chapter 5, and uh, he, uh, the apostles said that it was not right for them uh, to get off of the, the, the priorities of being the leaders, the overseers of the church to minister to the widows, and so they appointed the first deacons to attend to that particular need so that they might keep their priorities in order. And what are we told there in Acts chapter 5 were their priorities? Their priorities were prayer and the teaching of the word. And so they kept it straight. And no doubt the success of the early church can be traced right back to the apostles keeping their priorities in order. That's, I believe, how they were uh, successful. And I also believe that prayer is one of the greatest blessings that God has made available to us, but it's also one of the greatest outlets of power. I mean, through prayer, you can affect and change the world around you or the things around the world. Think about that. But more importantly, Prayer can actually change us. It's not limited to a geographical location. I mean, think about it. Paul, when he wrote this letter to the church at Ephesus, was in Rome. He's incarcerated. He's getting the political runaround. He's held captive there. He's facing an unsure future. But notice, nevertheless, in verse 15, as it relates to the prayers that he made, Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of the saints. 
Notice, they were growing in faith and love. And I think at least in part that could be attributed to Paul praying for the church at Ephesus. Listen, gang, there is nothing we can do for one another that is more beneficial than holding them up in prayer. And I'm amazed that people don't get this, really. You know, people will come in for a counseling appointment and they'll uh, express their, their needs, their concerns, things that are going on, things that are causing them to be anxious. And, and I'll cross-reference addressing their uh, particular issues from, uh, from the Bible, uh, sharing with them certain verses of Scripture. And, and before they leave, I'll uh, say to them, and listen, brother, listen, sister, I'll be praying for you. And they look at me like I have two heads on my shoulders, like, You'll be pr- that's it? You're just going to be praying for me? Listen, there's nothing more beneficial that we can do for one another than to hold each other up in prayer, to bring our brothers and sisters their needs before the Lord. Now, I love to study the prayers of God's people as revealed in the Bible. And we should consider them as valuable assets. And that brings us to our second point this morning, and that is the things that are really important. Okay, so the prayers that have been recorded for us and preserved in the Bible teach teach us something about what we ought to be praying for. And and therefore, I, I think we should take some time out and study them. When we're reading a particular uh, book of the Bible, uh, in our regular study of the Bible, and I hope you are regularly studying the Bible, and, and as you go through, like say, for example, an epistle, and you see this prayer that is recorded in chapter 1 of the book of Ephesians, the prayer that Paul prayed for these believers, we ought to take note of them, and we ought to dissect them. Not only dissect them, we ought to own them and make those prayers our own. So I believe that God has pre- uh, preserved the prayers that are recorded in the Bible for our learning, that we might come to a, an understanding of the things that are really important, the things that we should be praying for. Think about it. Most of our prayers are what are known as directional prayers. What do I mean by that? Well, in our prayers, we're trying to get God to do something for us. But remember, our prayer should always be prefaced with, not my will, but thine be done. Now, I'm not suggesting that you know, we shouldn't uh, bring our prayers before the Lord, but it's always should be tempered with, nevertheless, not mine, but thy will be done. But it's true. Most of our prayers are directional prayers. We're trying to move the hand of God. We're trying to get God to do something for us. But then also, many of our prayers are spent treating symptoms rather than the root of our problems, rather than the things that put us there in the first place, right? We're basically asking God, bail us out. I blew it again, you know, and I'm just suffering now the consequences of the wrong choices that I've made. God, please help me. God, bail me out, right? Rather than we should be saying, Lord, you know, keep me from that temptation that I continue to fall on. You know, we're just dealing with the symptoms rather than the root cause. And many of our prayers are, are spent in that direction. So anyway... Let's take a look at this prayer of Paul's, and I hope it will serve you to understand something new, something wonderful, maybe something that you'd never considered before concerning the subject of prayer. Now, with that said, 
and under the heading, things that are really important, I want you to take a look at and note there were three petitions in this, in this short prayer that Paul offered on behalf of the Ephesian churches. We want to break that down for you. The first petition had to do with wisdom and revelation. And so Paul is praying for these believers that they might receive of the Lord wisdom and understanding, revelation. Notice, let's go back to our text. Let's read verses 17 and 18 one more time. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. So again, the first thing that he prays for on behalf of these believers is wisdom and revelation. So what are we to take away from this? Well, we should recognize here that the ability to know the Lord is actually given to believers. It's something that happens supernaturally. You know, think about it. Why, why are we, as children of God, you know, convicted of the reality and the truth of God, whereas there are so many other people who are not? And they, they don't even have an inclination for the things of God. Well, I, you know, I guess it goes back to what Paul said. He says, the, you know, the natural man cannot discern the things of the Spirit of God, neither can he know them. So therefore, wisdom of God, revelation of God, is given to us by him. We need to realize that. The truth is, apart from God's revelation of himself, you can't know God. And how important this knowledge is. I'll give you an example of this. Remember when Job was being actually uh, tried and tested by God, and all of the affliction, his sickness unto death, uh, the loss of members of his family, his wealth, his home, his, you know, all of the resources that he were at one time uh, enjoyed. All of a sudden, three of Job's friends, I don't know if you could actually call them friends, or, or they tried to be Job's counselors, but they were way off base. But one of the three friends that came to Job during this time, seeking to actually comfort him, a fellow whose name was Zophar, and he raises a rhetorical question. It's recorded for us in the book of Job in chapter 11, verses 7 through 9. He says to Job in his affliction, can you search, and it's true, can you search out the deep things of God? Can you find out the limits of the Almighty? They are higher than the heaven. What can you do deeper than Sheol? What can you know? Their measure is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. And so that validates the point that I've just made. We really cannot know the things of God unless God reveals those things to us. Apart from God's revelation of himself, you can't know God. How often, you know, we fail to even understand the workings of God within our lives. We misinterpret them uh, so often. So how important this knowledge is. Listen, forget about some intellectual quest to find God, to bring him into the confines of our minds, our understanding. That's absolutely impossible, that is, apart from God. So Paul is saying here, in effect, I am praying from the bottom of my heart that God would give each one inwardly 
the grace, the ability to see and to believe the things of God. And let me tell you something. This was something that was very important to Paul personally. Think about it. This was Paul's greatest desire, as he expressed it in the book of Philippians in chapter 3 and verse 10. He cries out that I may know him. And then he goes on to declare the fellowship of his sufferings. But first of all, he says that I may know him. That was his one desire, uh, earnestly, to know the Lord, his greatest desire. Because he knew that that was the highest knowledge possible. Paul knew that a person cannot understand much of anything else without a knowledge of God. You've heard me use the expression before, and you've probably heard it within Christian circles, a Christian worldview. We as believers possess a Christian worldview. We see things in light of of God behind the things that are going on. God's working out his perfect plan. We see the bigger picture, and God is a part of that picture. It's referred to as a Christian worldview. Let me give you a cross-reference. In the book of Proverbs, how important this knowledge is. Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 10 tells us that the fear or the reverence of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So as we reverence the Lord, as we revere the Lord, as we worship the Lord, that's the beginning of true wisdom. We're talking about a deep reverence for God is a wise choice to make. It's good common sense about God. Having that kind of insight, that kind of perspective. Now, when I refer to knowing God, I I guess I ought to uh, clarify that statement for you or qualify it. When I refer to knowing God, I don't just mean as Savior alone, although, of course, that's extremely important, but we must get to know him also as our father, as our friend, as our guide, as our counselor. And the better we get to know him, guess what? the more satisfying our spiritual lives will be. So don't settle for a little knowledge when it comes to your relationship or your experience with God. Don't, you know, be satisfied with just a little knowledge of the Bible. And, and of course, it's through the Word, it's through the Bible where often God reveals himself to us. There's a variety of other ways that God reveals himself to us, you know, just through the everyday experiences of our life. God trying to get our attention we see God work, as I said before, having that Christian worldview. We see God behind the scenes working out his perfect plan. God speaks to us through the, the things that go on in our lives. He speaks to us in a variety of other ways, to our brother or sister in, in a time of prayer. But more times than not, he does speak to us through his word. So, you know, dig in. Dig in deep. Don't settle for just a little knowledge of the Lord, a little knowledge of the Bible, right? And... Uh, You know, listen, let me tell you something. None of us are going to get to heaven ignorantly. we got to apply ourselves. But ultimately, it becomes the work of the Spirit. So put yourself in that place where God can reveal himself to you. Take advantage of every opportunity that you have. Even as, you know, Pastor Jose was mentioning, you know, uh, taking advantage if possible. And uh, I know you always hear me say we're not the church around the corner and people come from all over the area Uh, the outer boroughs, New Jersey and stuff, and uh, Staten Island, and God bless you guys, Long Island, and uh, and it could be difficult. Man, you know, I hit the, you know, I was cruising today, man, I got in my car, my wife, Elijah, 
And uh, we had time to stop at Starbucks on Route 4 just before the George Washington Bridge. You know, we're, we're all just, you know, all right, man, we're going to worship the Lord. This is great. No traffic. And we hit the George Washington Bridge, came across it, no problem at all. And as soon as we crossed the George Washington Bridge, guess what? The West Side Highway, the Henry Hudson was, was closed. It's a bike race. I mean, we face that kind of thing every Sunday, man, right? So I'm working my way down, you know, Riverside Drive, and I... I take a detour. I figure, you know, at a certain point, we're the, we hit, you know, we hit the lottery for red lights today. I mean, we hit every red light imaginable, and uh, so I got off of the Riverside Drive and and I made my way up to uh, uh, West End Avenue, right? But then I look out and I was ready to make a right on West End Avenue. Guess what? It was all backed up there. So I bypassed West End Avenue. I go up to Broadway. And I'm ready to make a right and go all the way down Broadway. Guess what was going on in Broadway? There was a street fair on Broadway. <laughs> so now I have to go up to Columbus Avenue, right? Oh, my gosh. You know, so it's not, the point is, it's, it, sometimes it's not easy getting here, right? So I understand that. But listen, God will bless you for making that attempt. I guarantee you. You know, Every time we put ourselves in a place where God can speak to us and minister to us, it pays great dividends. Isn't that true? And I'm hoping and trusting that all of us are going to leave here this morning encouraged and strengthened. God's going to put his hand on that area of our lives that need to be treated and dealt with. Some of the questions that we had before we even entered into this building this morning will have been answered for you through this study. You know, God has a way of doing that, right? We might be dealing with one particular issue or subject, but you know how God has the capacity and ability to just personalize that in each person's life. He'll speak one thing to one person using the same text of Scripture and then another person in a completely different way through that same text of Scripture. Only God has the ability to do that, right? And so if we'll just keep ourselves in that place where God could speak to us, guess what? He'll do exactly that. Because you see, God wants to speak to us, right? It's the work of the Holy Spirit. And probably the greatest way that God speaks to his people is through the study of the word. You know, I'm always harping on this. But anyway, let's get back to the point. Paul wanted his people to be inwardly illuminated in thinking and feeling by the knowledge of God in Jesus Christ. He wanted them to be wise in understanding and strong in faith. So that's the first petition that he prayed on behalf of these believers there at the church at Ephesus. And then secondly, let's consider the second petition under the same heading, that is the things that are really important. Notice, let's go back to our text in verse 18. He prayed that these believers would appreciate the things that they possess. In my Father's house there's a place for me in my father's house where I long to be oh my heart. We're so glad you joined us today on In My Father's House for our continuing verse-by-verse study through the book of Ephesians. If you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor Mike, please visit our website at harvestnyc.org. You can also listen online by going to the Resources tab, or you can find them on One Place and search for Harvest Christian Fellowship or Pastor Mike Venizio. 
Viewing our recent services in their entirety can be an option as well through Vimeo. Just follow the link at our website. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. We also invite you to subscribe to our podcast. Just search your favorite platform for In My Father's House. If you're ever in or near the Midtown Manhattan area and are looking for a church home, come visit us here at Harvest Christian Fellowship. We meet every week for worship, Bible study, and fellowship. It's easy to get here, and you can reserve your seat at our website. If you can't make it in person, that's okay. Join us on the live stream to participate in our services virtually. Just follow the link at harvestnyc.org. If you happen to have any questions for us, don't hesitate to give us a call at 212-247-1877. That number again is 212-247-1877. Or connect with us on Facebook and Instagram by following the links on our website. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. We're so glad you took the time to listen in today, and we hope you'll join us again next time on In My Father's House.